The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn about the week ahead in stocks and what the second half of the year might hold. My guest is Ben Levison, Barron's Deputy Editor and Trader Columnist. Ben, welcome back to Barron's Live. What with holidays and vacations, I don't think we've chatted for a while. It's been ages, Lauren, but I'm glad to be back. <laughs> Good. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's dig in. Stocks had a great week last week, as you noted in the trader column. The Dow was up more than 5%. The S&P rose more than 6%. And the NASDAQ outdid them all up 7.5%. So a lot of people are declaring the end of the bear market. And I was tempted to do so myself until I read your column, frankly. And you have noted that bear markets can have powerful rallies, but that doesn't mean we're out of the woods, so to speak. So give us your thinking on the outlook from here. Sure. I mean, I'm finding this moment particularly difficult. Um, I was lucky enough uh, to come into this to, into the year kind of bearish. Um, you know, it was from from I'm talking. I'm going to say smart enough, but go ahead. Uh, it's luck. I mean, it's reading people, sort of reading the tea leaves, which is more than anything. It's when you get stock valuations as high as they were. They're about 21 and a half, and there was a lot of optimism heading into the start of the year. Um, I tend to like to go the other way, and it's been pretty easy to stay bearish um, through this year. Uh, I think what changed last week is we saw, I mean, two, th two things have really changed. Let's go back two weeks, not last week, but the week before. The week before, sure. we finally saw some real capitulation, um, you know, days where there were, you know, 10 stocks up on the day in the S&P 500. That was something we hadn't seen in all the other downdrafts um, in the market this year. And um, we saw that, I think, twice. And so that's, that's a really good sign, um, technically, that markets are getting washed out. Um, and then this past week, we had a really strong rally based on strong volume, and we had breath turnaround also. Um, it was everything you want to see. It, it, it is everything you want to see. And that's why in, in the column, you know, everyone who's listened to this call every week knows my thinking on this, that I'm looking kind of for a 3,200 bottom. But you see this kind of action and you have to think, well, you know what, this is going to be a more meaningful rally than we've had so far this year. Every other rally has kind of petered out um, pretty quickly. You've hit uh, you hit that kind of 5% mark and it fell right back down. Um, this one did 5% uh, 6% in a week. Um and, you know, it's it's and, and stabilizing uh, a lot. So I think those are the, the reasons that you can feel pretty optimistic about a decent move higher here. Um, the consensus, just reading lots of different people, puts it, and technically it looks around the same. It's around 4,100 to 4,200. That's um, where you're going to start running into some resistance. And that's going to really be the next key point for the stock market. But why do you think stocks have to go down after going up in this particular cycle? 
I, I think it is because it's, it's a cycle. Um, I, uh, if you think, I was reading Mike Wilson, who's been very bearish um, on the stock market, and he's been right this year. Um, is it Morgan and we, Stanley, the strategist? He, he is. He's a strategist of Morgan Stanley. And he was saying that basically what you need to see happen is you need to see yields continue to come down. You need inflation to start ticking down um, and the Fed to start shifting. Um, and then you need to see uh, economic growth start to stabilize. And this is the final one uh, I found the most interesting is you need to see earnings estimates start to go up again. Um, I don't think we've had most of these things. No, we're starting to. Well, we've had the yields fall. You know, they, we were up at, uh, say, three point. We were close to three point five. We were over three point four percent on the 10 year. And it's pulled back to around three point one five. I think today it was maybe at three point one nine at one point. Um, and, you know, that that pullback was quite good. Um, it, that really helped the market. We're at three point one eight eight percent now. Um, we've had rate expectations come in over at, uh, if you check the um, the CME website, they have a FedWatch. Uh, you, you Google CME FedWatch, it'll take you right there. Um, the estimates for um, the Fed's rate hikes have come in a bit. So the odds of really aggressive hiking have come down. Um, and inflation expectations in the tips market have also come in. Um, so these are all, you know, very good signs that or at least the market is predicting um easier um monetary conditions than they they were before but what um, about the earnings part well but i also want to say even though the market is predicting this I, I don't think that that's what is necessarily going to happen um we had some massive readjustments i'm glad that the market is taking the time to adjust those readjustments um but if inflation remains high the Fed is going to have to keep tightening. And I don't think the market has necessarily priced that in. Then you go to earnings. Um, and earnings estimates seem like they are um, too high at this point. Um, it, it also seems like everyone kind of knows this. We're going into this earnings season where we're expecting um, we're expecting revisions. We're expecting companies to say, you know what, it's not going to be as profitable Um and, um, and and we'll probably see uh, something like, um, I don't know, people are looking at $2.26 for, for this year. And that would be, you know, still strong, but not as strong as consensus thinks uh, at around $2.30. Um, but even that, you have to wonder, is that really going to, are, are companies going to be able to deliver those kind of earnings? And I'm just not sure. And right now we're at 16.5 times earnings uh, on forward earnings, and that's down from 21.5. So that's come down a lot. But if earnings estimates are too high, then the market is still too expensive. Um, or at least it's not actually 16.5. Um, it's uh, something higher if earnings are actually lower, just mm -hmm. the way the math works. And, and so that's kind of why I still worry um, about the market. And I also just worry about the Fed in this environment we're in. I can't remember. I don't think any of us can remember a time where we've had all these moving parts. And there's hope that, you know, with commodities coming in, uh, commodity prices coming down, that's going to lower um, the headline CPI. But we're still seeing things like uh, rents going up, and that's all in core. Um, and that's where we really have to um, wait to see if this is really just a 
um, it's just a reflection of these higher commodity prices. Um, and hey, you know, what happens if uh, there's some sort of truce in between Ukraine and Russia? You know, that could bring commodity prices in even more. Um, but what if there's inflation embedded in the, in the core, just in terms of wages and, and rents and things like that, that aren't going to come down quickly? And I think those are the unknowns that make me kind of nervous still on uh, saying, OK, all clear, time to go buy everything. Well, also, Jay Powell was very clear when he spoke to Congress last week that he is going to be a major inflation fighter. Rates are going to continue to go up. We could have something worse than a bumpy landing. So I don't see the all clear at all. Right. And the one one thing we can say is the market has dropped a lot. I mean, we've had a bear market. Um, The the S&P was down more than 20 percent. Some bear markets have been a lot more than that. but, you know, it, it, it has dropped a lot. And, and I don't think we can forget that. And parts of the market have dropped even more. Um, you know, when you look at like the growth stocks and things like that, they've gotten hit so hard that there are pockets of the market that it, it's, it's been as bad as it really gets. So, Ben, do you think that the market has anticipated future rate hikes that Powell's predicting? Or do you think there's a lot more pain to come? Uh, I, I still, I, I'm, I'm still targeting something around that 3,200 level. Um, I, I just, I, but you know, I'm going to find out if I'm right or wrong when we get back up to like 41 or something. Um, it's, uh, it's possible I'm wrong, but I, I do expect uh, another, uh, another low before this is all said and done. All right, we'll remember that. So yeah, please. When I'm wrong, <laughs> when I'm wrong, you can call me on it. <laughs> and I will. You can be sure of that. So what do you do in the meantime? I know Julian Emanuel at Evercore had some interesting ideas about stocks to buy in this sort of volatile environment. Fill us in about that. Yeah, so he's basically looking for companies that uh, have strong uh, free cash flow uh, yields. And so that for him, that means greater than 4.4%. Um, companies that have a lot of short interest that investors have been betting against. Um, companies that have dropped more than the S&P 500 from their own peaks, but weren't making new lows this month as the S&P 500 was. So that's a lot there. Um, yes. But it's really, you know, these are companies that hit their lows before the S&P 500. So they got hit hard, harder than the market initially. Um, but they're also free cash flow generators. So they have a lot of money coming in and going out um, and, and they're hated. And so these are all things that uh, would you know, be good to look for in stocks that uh, could bounce back. And he comes up with a nice list. Some of the ones on there include like Alphabet's on there, UPS is on there, Williams-Sonoma, um, which has gotten just hammered because of housing issues and Dick's Sporting Goods is on there as well. But it's also, um, it's the kind of market where you do want to look for stocks that I, I think are, are, are higher quality um, at this point. And you do at the, if you really believe we're at the bottom, like you look at a bottom like in 2009, in March of 2009, the junkiest stuff rallies. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the high beta stuff. It's the stuff that you don't want to touch if you expect a recession, stuff you don't want to uh, touch when the market is going down. Um, I don't think that's where we want to go yet. Um, I, I would still recommend you buy quality stuff. And that's really what uh, Emmanuel has screened for is uh, quality stocks have just gotten beaten up a lot and for one reason or another and could really bounce back um, um, sooner rather than later. And there's a lot of different ways to screen for quality. We've done quite a lot of that on Barron's.com as well. 
So right. I'd, recommend, I'd recommend readers look at some of our screen stories. So let's move on to corporate earnings. We don't have a lot coming out this week, but we have an interesting batch of companies. Jefferies, for instance, isn't the biggest or best known Wall Street firm, but it reports earlier in the cycle, and it's often seen as a bellwether for the big banks. What's on tap for Jefferies, and what do you think the company's earnings might tell us about the rest of the industry? Well, Jefferies, it really is a bellwether. Um, it has a, a big trading business and it has a big advisory business for M&A and whatnot. And so um, investors are going to be watching. I mean, it's not so much for how it does itself. It's supposed to report a profit of 51 cents on sales of $1.28 or so. Um, but they're looking to see what it it's what the read through is to, to other banks. What's interesting to me is that Jefferies has dropped a lot more than um, the banking sector generally. It's down 27%. Um, banks have fallen 17% or so. Um, and, I, and I think that's largely just because, uh, you know, people are worried about about those businesses, the trading and the, the M&A uh, going on if there is a recession um, and whatnot. But that's really what people are going to focus on, because in about two weeks after Jefferies, we are going to get um, start getting J.P. Morgan, Citigroup and, and whatnot. Um, and those those have uh, gotten actually a pretty big bounce recently. Um, both because of the uh, um, just uh, yield, the yield curve um, has steepened a little bit, um, and that helps them. They got beaten up a lot, um, but Jeffrey's going to be our first clue as to whether that kind of bounce that it's, they've had recently is uh, um, is uh, can be followed up, or whether there's more pain ahead. It's been a tough time for banks. They haven't done quite as well as people thought they would this year. Yeah, but better than the market. Um, you got to right, give them that's that. True. <laughs> that's true. Though that is cold comfort, isn't it? Right, right. I think so. So let's talk about food and beverage companies. I love talking about food. General Mills reports on Wednesday. This is the cereal company that is not breaking itself into thirds. So what can we expect from General Mills? Maybe General Mills should break itself up. I mean, everybody else is is. Uh, decided to break their cereal businesses into away from their snack businesses. That was, uh, um, that was Kellogg. Um, right. um, you know, General Mills has done quite well this year. It's up 4.5%, um, which is exactly what you want a staple like this to do when the rest of the market is, is falling apart. Um, so what we're watching here is pretty much um, there's so much data around these days where you can look at uh, what's selling in stores and get a pretty good read on uh, what earnings are going to be. Um, and so the analysts that I'm reading are expecting General Mills to either meet or beat their earning expectations. Um, it's uh, they're expected to report a profit of a buck oh one, and that'd be up from ninety one cents a year ago. Um, but uh, the, the key issue that the people are going to be watching for are, is first the, the gross margin. Um, it's expected to shrink a little bit um, just because of higher food costs. Inflation um, will be felt. But um, they're saying that uh, UBS at least believes if it comes in with a gross margin of about 34 percent, that would be good enough. Um, and it's a sign that perhaps uh, it'll start going up again um, next year. But what people really want to see is, um, is is 2023, um, the guidance that they, they give for that. Um, and um, UBS, again, believes that... Uh, it's going to be that number that's going to dictate whether the stock goes up and also whether other food stocks go up. 
Um, and so they think that it needs to show around uh, 3% on organic sales growth um, and about 395 uh, for their EPS forecast. Um, but it's one that has managed to go through, to hold up really well in this environment. I think that's partially because if I remember correctly, it actually has a private labels business. Um, so even if shoppers are moving down in cost, they're actually still making money. Um, which is which is going to help them, but uh, you know they are. It's going to be one where it's going to we're going to have to see if they're able to say, look, things are going to be fine going ahead, or if it's just like this. Uh, this year has been uh, something um, special that they're not going to be able to keep up. Mm-hmm. Definitely one to watch. Let's talk about Constellation Brands. They have a lot of beer and liquor lines. The stock has actually done well this year relative to the market. What's the outlook there? It's all about beer. Um, Constellation has uh, done better than uh, people thought it would, and it's largely because of the beer business that has done quite well. Um, and so they, um, they're only down 2.2% this year. Um, and Cowan just raised its estimates uh, to two dollars and sixty-seven cents, uh, which is well above where uh, Faxet says the uh, the overall estimates are now. They they have it at about two dollars and fifty-two cents, and it's it's about beer. Um, just people are buying beer, and um, Cowan says you know they were they were worried that there was going to be too much competition there, um, but uh, beer is doing better. And what's so fascinating to me about the beer business is that there was that point where everyone had sort of given up on beer, where it was mm-hmm. all about hard seltzers and things like that. Oh, not anymore. Not anymore. Now, you know, everybody who bet big on hard seltzer has really had a tough time. Um, Boston beer comes to mind. You know, that that was a uh, barren stock pick, unfortunately. And um, it really just got uh, hit very hard um, and hasn't been able to recover yet um, from that. Uh, uh, investors were starting to price it off of some really major growth that uh, isn't going to come from the hard seltzer business. And now people are just going back to beer. Um, and that's been great for Constellation. And they're one that you know doesn't look too expensive. It has other things going for it. So, I mean, it'll certainly be an interesting one to watch. Beer's a good budget drink for these times. That it so- is. Let's talk about retailers. We have spent a lot of time at Barron's talking about retailers this year because we're really getting a sense of the health of the consumer when we look at some of these companies. Nike, the premier footwear brand, reports today. What's what's expected? What's happening at Nike? Well, Nike is going to have its uh, its profit is expected to drop to eighty two cents. That'd be down from ninety three cents. Um, and but the stock has dropped a lot this year. It's down thirty four percent. And it really has two businesses. It has North America and it has China. I mean, Europe is there as well, but it's North America and China that that really matter. Um, it, it's gotten hurt a lot because of China with the lockdowns there. Um, and North America was supposed to be able to, to help prop it up while that happened. It really hasn't been able to. But now we're starting to see this kind of shift um, in how the market is viewing China, that perhaps with the uh, um, with COVID lockdowns ending there and the, and the Central Bank, the People's Bank of China, um, trying to prop up the economy, that you could have a better um, it, it, it could be a better market environment for companies with China exposure. Um, and then if North America can hold up, then um, that would be good news for Nike as well. Um, the, the problem is that uh, 
you know, people are very concerned that it's guidance for 2023. Again, we're um, we have these companies with weird fiscal years um, is going to come in well below um, where analysts have it now. So analysts are seeing four dollars and forty nine cents. Um, the worry is that it'll come down to three dollars and seventy five to four twenty five, someplace in that range. Um, and uh, that wouldn't be it probably wouldn't be good. But again, we have a stock that has fallen a lot. And um, and so the question is, is is enough of this reflected in the stock price to give a bounce back or are investors still going to be worried about? It? And I think if we, the, you know, the more closer we get to the low end of that guidance, mm-hmm. um, you know, the worse the stock is going to perform. I've I was uh, recommended shorting it uh, the last uh, earnings report, and it was not a great call on the earnings, but it has since fallen off of that. Um, and so I'd like to think that it's not time to um uh not time to cover uh, just yet but i'm gonna be watching this earnings report to see if maybe it is time to to pull that pick um in the next column interesting so bed bath and beyonds the last one in retail i want to talk about the stock has fallen 55 percent this year to about six dollars and fifty cents maybe a little bit higher And Bed Bath always seems to be reorganizing itself, renovating. The company can't seem to get out of trouble. Occasionally, it's a mean stock, so the stock does very well. But at the moment, that is not true. What's the outlook for Bed Bath? Bed Bath is in such a tough tough spot. Um, You know, they brought in uh, a guy from Target to lead the company. Um, and he had some really great plans for turning the, the store around, uh, the stores around. Um, they were going to get rid of the stores that uh, were what they call unproductive. Um, you know, get rid of the stores that just weren't pulling their weight, weren't doing very well. They were going to try to um, make the stores newer um, so that they would be more attractive to shop. And they wanted to do better online. And they wanted to, I mean, one of the things that I always remember hearing about the stock and going, oh my God, companies still operate this way, is that basically the managers of each of the stores used to have really discretion on what to order. And so they did some crazy stuff. Like they'd have seven different kinds of spatulas. Um, when you wouldn't I think need- I bought them all. Yeah, I, I'm sure we all did, right? And right. you know, they they basically decide to streamline their supply chain um, and uh, to make it you know be more effective at buying, um, to have less waste. So you didn't need to have seven spatulas; you could have one or two spatulas. But it doesn't um, seem to have worked. Well, they picked the. I mean, it, they couldn't have known this, but this was the absolute worst time to try this stuff. It was a time where all of a sudden the supply chains are broken. Um, and, um, you know, even though they've made progress on some of the other things, you know, you, you can't, when your supply chain is working, that's a problem and people continue to just, uh, store traffic just keeps declining. And so that was one reason that B Riley downgraded the stock to a neutral from, from buy and they lowered the price target to $7, which is actually a little bit above where it's trading now from 17. But I, I think it was one of those things where it's just, this is a really hard time to, do a turnaround effort, and we're seeing that a lot of companies that are uh, that have problems and are trying to turn things around are having a difficult time because it's just hard to know where um, when things are going to be better and how the turnaround is working given all the other problems out there. 
So not a great time for Bed Bath for sure. Let's talk for one moment about the economic data coming out this week. Then we'll move on to some listener questions. We've got third quarter GDP estimates. Anything of import there? No, um, not really. I mean, we're going to get. But uh, I asked. <laughs> but, but I, I do have a but. Okay. We're going it's, it's, it, to get our third estimate of GDP, and so it's going to be around the same uh, as we've had before, which is a drop of one point five percent. So that that to me is is not really interesting. What is interesting is what's happening with the Atlanta Fed's GDP now, because everybody is. I shouldn't say everybody, but everybody on Wall Street is watching this. It's kind of become the go-to place because it updates where GDP um, would come in based on the economic releases we've had so far. At the end of last week, it was expecting 0% growth um, during the second quarter. Um, after today's, I believe it was a durable goods number, which was quite good, um, that has ticked up to 0.3% growth. Exciting. Um, what I, I think is interesting here is that that, you know, we're not going to get great growth during the second quarter. And it's possible we even get negative growth. Um, and it has people talking about a recession based on that two quarters in a row of uh, negative GDP. Um, the problem there is that that's not really the definition of a recession. Um, the the keepers of the recession call is the uh, NBER. Um and they, they're the ones, but they, they look at more than just um, whether it's two quarters in a row. That's why they declared a recession um, back in 2020, even though it was really only two months of a massive economic decline. It was so deep and so, uh, so broad that it counted as a recession, even though it didn't meet that two quarter rule. And you could also have two quarters that technically would meet the falling GDP rule, but they wouldn't count as a recession just because it wasn't deep enough. It wasn't broad enough. It was uh, based on strange factors, like we had an inventory drag down in the first quarter. But this number- so The definition is a bit fluid, is what you're saying. It, it's very fluid, but you can imagine that if we do get a negative reading for the second quarter, just all the headlines are going to be hitting about a recession. Um, and it's going to be more complicated than that. And so that's why, you know, with this number that comes out, you know, there'll, there'll be some headlines or whatever, but it's really, I'm watching this uh, Atlanta Fed GDP now number, and I'm trying to think how the market is going to react to a negative number there if it comes and what's the right way to react if a negative number comes. You know, is it really signaling a recession or is it just something that's due to technical factors? Good point. You'll be our guide to that for sure. So let's go to some questions from listeners because we've got a lot coming in. Thomas asks, what's the best way to create a watch list and which news outlets are best to keep up with minute-to-minute -minute stock market news, environmental news, government and world event news that impacts the markets? I, of course, will say Barron's, but I'm curious to, to hear your wider thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the tough things about the news is that there is so much noise out there. Um, mm -hmm. The markets are reacting to headlines, um, and things are moving. Things are moving just because of a headline. And you know, a, a a good investor is looking at these headlines, but not necessarily acting on them. Um, one and when you talk about a watch list, I think a watch list is a great thing to have because it allows you to respond to news in a way that uh, it can be very smart. And so, um, one thing um, I was talking to a, uh, an investment manager last week, and we were talking about looking at st looking for stocks and like where they where do they typically trade on a PE basis during a recession. 
and you can go back and you can look, you can see, okay, the stock fell to, to this level and this level. So, you know, you, you come up with an estimate of where it could go if, if, if there's a recession and then you look at where it's trading now. Um, and you kind of have an idea of where the, the, the trough uh, PE might be and how close it is. And if it gets close enough, you know, that stock, if you like it enough, you know, now it becomes worth buying because you kind of have a, a, a target for where it is. And so if you see some news hit, especially if it's a macro piece of news that causes the whole market to sell off, you know, that's the kind of thing where you could go in and, and, and pick up the stock um, at a price where the risk is is fairly low. And so I think that um, it, it's that, that combination of the interplay of the two is you got to, you can't be reacting to the market. You have to be thinking ahead of it. You have to be thinking, where do I want to buy stocks? Um, and and um, what would what would get me uh, at what price do, do I want to buy this and then um, have the news? And so I think a lot of the the daily news and what we try to do at Barron, sometimes we do a better job than others, is really give the context around any piece of news. Because um, there are a lot of times that things happen, but we already know that they were going to happen. Um, and so we can't get worked up about it. You know, the, the headline gets flashed. And as an investor, I'm like, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But there are other times where it's a real surprise. Um, and so I think that's, um, you know, I, I can tell you, if you really want to know the up to the minute news and everything that's moving the market, you know, you, you pay a lot of money for a Bloomberg terminal. Um, but, you know, you can read Bloomberg.com, you can read CNBC, you can read Barron's, um, you know, we'll, we'll all get you. But if you're not an active trader, you don't need that. You, don't, you need you don't your need watch it. list. Yes. And you, you need a good sense of where the markets are going. And you need Ben on Barron's Live. Or, 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 or do the opposite of me. I'm like George Costanza when he no, uh, no. realizes just do the opposite. Um, no. But you just want to be thoughtful. And I mean, none of this. And the other thing to remember is that the, the market is we, we like to think in binary terms. But there are always stocks that are going up, even in a down market, and there are always stocks going down in an up market. And the best thing to do is to think about risk. It's like, how much risk do you want to have and, um, and, and, and act accordingly? So if the market gets really expensive, that's a good time to you know, scale down the equity risk. When the market gets beaten up, that's a good time to maybe put some of that, bad, that cash back into the market. The worst thing, though, is to be chasing the market off of headlines, um, buying at the top and then selling at the bottom. That's exactly what we don't want to do. Right. Right. Good point. So thank you for that answer. Um, Question from Mark. As the market approaches a recession or as the economy approaches a recession, how would you advise younger retail investors to play this? Is it more beneficial to wait or to utilize dollar cost averaging as you wait for the market and the economy to rebound? Yeah, I mean, if you're a younger investor and you have decades, um, you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so if you have a 401k, um, just let it ride. Um, you know, you're, you're buying, if the market goes up, you're going to make money off of what you bought when it went down. And the, the U.S. stock market has usually been higher 10 years into the future. Um, and if you have more than 10 years, it's the odds are even better. Um, and so I, I think if you're, if you're a younger investor, you know, trying to time is, is really, really hard. Um, 
you know, you, you most people, even um, I, I quoted Jim Stack, who is a um, at a place called Investec Research. He manages money as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago in a column where he had taken exposure to the stock market down to about 44 percent. He was very bearish, but that's as bearish as he gets. You know, he'll go down to 45 percent or so um, of exposure to the stock market with his money. And and that's as low as he goes because you don't know what's going to happen. You always want to have some some exposure. And so you want to trim around the edges um, when things get expensive um, and then add when the, the market pulls back. But I, I think you, as a, if you have decades ahead of you, you just want to keep putting your money in because I mean, it's a big cliche, but it's so true. It's time in the market, um, not time in the market. That's a good one to put needlepoint on a pillow. Yes. <laughs> so good one. Okay. One more question from Steve about biotech stocks. He knows that the IBB, which is a biotech ETF, has recovered nicely in the past month. It's had a dismal year up till then. Do you think biotech stocks will take a hit like the rest of tech stocks when the market goes down after this rally? Do you think biotech stocks will continue going up? Do you have any thoughts on biotech stocks? Um, they were so cheap. Um, and were, I mean, it, it's one where we were, um, at, at Barron's, I, I think we've said buy biotech stocks uh, a few times now in different places over the past six months or so. Um, particularly I, I the ones with a lot of cash on their balance sheets. Yeah. I, I think that's, that, that's the thing here is with, with biotech, you do want to be selective. There are winners and there are losers, um, and playing the, in, playing them with indexes can be harder. Um, I mean, right now, just looking at the chart, it does look like there's a little room to run. They've bounced um, up now. They stopped making lower lows. Um, and so I can see something like the IBB um, go up. Um, I'm going to pull up a chart of XBI. Um, you know, it looks very similar. Um, but it's also one where I, I think you do want to look for the companies that have a lot of cash. Because when you're buying biotechs, especially small biotechs, you know, it's do they have enough cash to get a product to market? Um, do they have enough cash to get to the point where they can raise more cash? Um, and, and that's always the hard part with these companies. So you got to look at the cash burn and um, figure out uh, then how well you think um, their, their drugs are going to work. Um, but if we're going to get a rally right now, I could see um, biotech bouncing just because it had gotten so beaten up. Okay, that's a, that's definitely one to watch, and it's something Barron's has been writing about, and it's good to see a little rally in the group. Ben, we have to leave it there today. I want to thank you for your great comments as usual. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in on this Monday, and do come back tomorrow when the subject will be the role of alternative investments in asset allocation. Phil Huber, the Chief Investment Officer at Savant Wealth Management and the author of a book called The Allocator's Edge, will speak with Barron Senior Writer Lauren Foster about the future of the 60-40 portfolio, the role of alternative investments in asset allocation, and ways that investors can add alternatives to their portfolios. should be a timely call. Thanks again, everybody, for sticking with us today. Be well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.